more grace. This is Prophet Karn, and I want to start with you part two of the series that I've been teaching you on the gospel. You know, this is part two of a series that has radically changed my life. I mean, God has completely changed my whole way of thinking, my whole theology, my whole way of seeing things. And I tell you that I believe this is one of the greatest messages and understandings that we all could receive. You know, the people, the Bible declares in Hosea 4 and 6 that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You know, truth doesn't make you free. John 8, 32 says, and ye shall know the truth. Truth can be truth, but if you don't know it, you'll never be free. Truth doesn't make you free. The only truth that makes you free is the truth that you know. So all of this truth was available to me all my life, but I never took the time to really, really get into it. Of course, I've always been a student of the word. I read my Bible every year, my whole Bible every year. I read my Bible. And if you want to know how to do that, three chapters a day, five chapters on Sunday, you will accomplish reading your Bible. But I want to say this to you, that this has completely changed my life. And if you were there in part one, I talked to you about how Paul came to a Judaism society, a society that was big in tradition and works. And he started off saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to call this one that you are righteous through him. But verse 16, let's start there again. Romans chapter one. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it. What is the it? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And I told you that that word gospel there means too good to be true. I mean, and I declare it is that the gospel is good news. It's not bad news, but it's good news. And it's news that's so powerful that it's too good to be true. I mean, it is so powerful. The news is too good to be true. What news? That he loves me independent of my actions. And it's my faith that causes me to be saved. Not my actions, not me dotting every I, not me crossing every T, not me doing everything right. But independent of my action, the Lord loves me. And anytime you substitute your goodness, God is not accepting it. God is not moved by you dotting every I and crossing every T. Now, again, I'm not telling you to be a ridiculous person because your righteousness is not good for God, but it's good for each other. It's good for people, but it's not good for God. God loves you independent of your action. And when you look at the book of Galatians, which is a very powerful book, I mean, Paul preaches in Galatians the same message, but he takes his gloves off and he just beats them up in Galatians. And he basically tells them that you're perverted whenever you try to add anything to what God has done or you try to add anything to your faith. But you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Anytime you add to what Christ did at Calvary and the finished work, you negate the power of a gospel. That's good news. 
It's good news to know that God's not mad at me and all of the anger that God had at me. He put it on Jesus, that God is not imputing men's sins against them. Second Corinthians five nineteen. But he's given unto us the word of the ministry of reconciliation. Anytime you add to what Christ did at Calvary, you are negating the power of the gospel. People don't need to be told how perverted they are. Because they know it. How do you know? Look at what the word of God says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. Verse 20 have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Did you hear that? Now I'm going to believe the word, but the Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed. That they already know what they're doing is wrong. That they don't have any excuse. You don't have to tell people you're this and you're that and this is wrong and that is wrong. Because according to the word of God, which I believe wholeheartedly, they already know. God has already revealed it to them so that they can be without excuse. Now, some people may say, well, I didn't know. Well, you can deaden yourself to what God is saying. And that's what a lot of people have done until they become reprobate. And once you become reprobate, there's no salvation for you then. You understand? But Romans chapter one says you are guilty because everyone is guilty. And how is everyone guilty? Because we all have an intuitive knowledge. I don't care if you say I was raised in eighth year, so I was raised a certain kind of way and I didn't know. The Bible declares in verse 18, 19 and 20 of Romans chapter one. That everyone knows that God has revealed it to everybody some kind of way so that they will be without excuse. Everybody knows God is real. I'm talking about the Muslim. I'm talking about the Buddhist. I'm talking about the, 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 the person who is bound, who's an atheist, who's an agnostic, and they don't know. They, they know. They know deep down that God is real. I've talked to so many people who say they didn't know. And then they came back and said, you know what? But when I was a kid, I did wonder this and wonder that because God has put an intuitive knowledge down on the inside of you for you to know that God is real. So the whole text of Romans chapter one is to let you know that everybody is guilty. Everybody. You man, woman, boy, girl. Everybody is guilty because they know that God is real. But then you get to Romans, the second chapter, and Paul begins to talk to the religious. And the first thing he says to them is when you start pointing the finger at people saying this is wrong and that is wrong and telling people you're breaking the law or telling people that you're wrong. Paul say you break the law because you condemn yourself when you call out somebody else is wrong. Did you hear that? He said, whenever you go to point your fingers and telling somebody, you don't do this and this is wrong and that is wrong, you condemn yourself because the law automatically is going to show you what's wrong. So they would say, don't kill and don't hate and don't commit adultery. But then Jesus came and said, hold on, you want to mess with somebody for doing this? He said, but if you look upon a woman to lust after her, 
You've already committed adultery in your heart. So when you look at verse four, he said, do we presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness or the goodness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? Now, most people who are traditional Christians and who are brought up in the sanctified Pentecostal holiness church like I was, you are brought under the law and taught that you must do good to get good. And when I begin to teach things that God loves you in um, um, disconnected from your works, disconnecting from you, dotting every I and crossing every T, this is extremely offensive to people. I mean, it's so offensive that people begin to say, well, private card, you're telling people that they can live any kind of way. And that's not true. But the scripture declares, are you despising it? Are you mad at the fact that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance? You know, you can draw, they used to say, you can draw more bees with honey than you can with vinegar. Most of us, we talk about when you hear preachers preach, they're talking about turn or burn, or they're trying to get you to make you feel bad and show you all of the bad stuff. But I want to let you know that we need to talk about the goodness of God. And how God is a good God and how God's in love with you and God's not mad at you. And God didn't cause the divorce. God didn't cause the disease and God didn't kill your mom and God didn't kill your dad. There's so many people sitting around who won't come to God because a preacher told them it was God who did this and it was God who did that. And I'm going to let you know that I've been guilty of that. I used to teach that. That God did this and God did that until I got a revelation and a greater understanding of the word of God, that God doesn't control everything, that God in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, gave man dominion over the earth. So God doesn't control everything. Man is in control of the earth and sin has consequences. I mean, I don't see why his harvest understand. Does he control you? There are things you're doing right now. I mean, if you was to hit your wife tonight, you're going to say God made you do it. If you was to kill yourself tonight, you're going to say God made you do it. No, God doesn't control you. But we got to tell people the goodness of God, that God is not mad at you. God is not beating you up. Amen. But God's in love with you and teach them the goodness of God, because according to verse four, that's what leads men to repentance. If we preach the good news, the the too good to be true news and preach the love of God, can you imagine how many people we would draw? How many people lives would be changed? But that's not what we're preaching. We're preaching vote repent or you're going to hell. We teach people nothing. We just tell them all we tell them is the bad. Hell, hell, hell. And don't tell them. The blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Don't tell them that Jesus died for you because you had a sin problem. But God is in love with you and didn't want you to die and wanted fellowship with you. We're supposed to preach the gospel. That's good news. And I'm not telling you there's not a place for telling people about their sin, for showing the house of Jacob their sin. I'm not telling you that there's not a place that you're supposed to cry loud, but I'm telling you that it's not when you're preaching the gospel. The gospel is good news. When I talk to people and say God loves you, people are shocked. You'd be surprised how many people never understood God loves me. 
Do you know the things that I've done? Do you know the places I've been? Do you know how many people I've hurt? It doesn't matter. Paul killed many people and wrote half of the New Testament. Moses wrote Psalm 90, wrote the first five books of the Bible, but he killed an Egyptian. David was a murderer and an adulterer, but he humbled himself and got forgiveness. Folks say, you don't know what I did, but guess what I tell them? You don't know what Jesus did. Nothing you do can disqualify you from the grace and mercy of God. I don't care if you're the worst of sinners. Didn't Paul say he was the chiefest of all sinners? I don't care if you're the worst of sinners. I don't care if you did a massacre. I don't care if you are Ted Bundy or Adolf Hitler and destroyed all of these people. No thing you do is so wicked that the love of God cannot reach you. And people need to know that God's in love with them and God's not going to beat them up. And that's what you need to minister to people when you're in the streets and you're telling them about God. Don't be telling them everything they're doing wrong. Tell them God's in love with them. That the sacrifice that Jesus did at Calvary got rid of all sin, past, present, and future. And stop letting your sin be bigger than God. No sin you commit is bigger than God. Receive his love today. The thief didn't dot every eye. The thief wasn't baptized. The thief, all of these issues. But guess what? He received salvation. Are you listening to me? God is so real and so many people need to hear this. And we run people that way. You got to get baptized. And of course, I believe in water baptism according to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize in them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 30. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. We believe in baptism, but we got to get an understanding that if you tell a person they have to be baptized to be saved, you are adding to the work of the cross. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And even in Acts the 10th chapter, when Peter preached, he preached to the Gentiles. And, you know, this is a time that they didn't believe that Gentiles could get it. They thought it was only for the Jews because in the second chapter of the book of Acts was a room full of Jews. But in Acts chapter 11, they started bothering him about him preaching to the Gentiles. And he mentioned everything but baptize, baptism. Baptism is a sign of what it takes place. It's an outward show of an inward grace. And some of you think you're better because you don't dip, cuss, or chew, or hang with those that do. That's something that Brother Womack says all the time. But I want to let you know that when you teach people that you got to quit this and you got to quit that to be saved and you got to stop doing this and stop doing that, you're absolutely wrong. Teach people the goodness of God and the love of God and give them the gospel. And once they hear the gospel, according to Titus chapter two, verse 11, the grace of God is going to teach you how to live holy for the grace of this gospel has appeared unto all men, teaching them to deny ungodliness, teach the love of God. And if they fall in love with them, the grace of God will teach them 
how to live holy. Am I making sense? I hope you're really getting an understanding what I'm saying today, because so many people find it hard to believe that God is in love with them. Romans chapter six, verse 14 lets us know that grace breaks the dominion of sin. And this is something that I need to get in your spirit because some of you right now, you going through situations in your life and you believe that God won't move until you live holy and God won't do this until you do that. And I'm telling you that you condemn yourself when you say that because you're not holy. And some of you right now, you're saying, well, God wants to do this for me, but he's not going to do it until I do that. And you live in condemnation. Because you don't dot every eye and you don't cross every T. And now you're thinking that God can't do nothing for you because you are messed up. But whether you know it or not, everybody's messed up. When you look at Galatians chapter three, I mean, these are things that God is just teaching me and has taught me. That is changing my life. But Galatians chapter three Verse seven, look at what it says in Galatians three and seven. He said, I mean, this is powerful. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, and you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Anytime you tell a person they got to do, 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 you're putting them under the curse of the law because the law carries a curse. Deuteronomy 27 said, cursed is he that don't do all the law or don't do the law. So it's not a portion of it, but you have to do all the law. And if you don't do all the law, you're cursed. So a religious person is doubly wrong. Do you get that? Because you're pointing the finger and you're wrong when you when you point the finger. But then when you try to do everything right, you're still wrong because you're trusting and depending on yourself. That's what the second chapter of Romans is about. Then when you get to chapter three, Paul says, listen, for all have sinned. So Romans one, he says the world is guilty. Romans chapter two, he says the religious is guilty. But then chapter three, he says, guess what? All have sinned. Guess what he did? He ground leveled us at the foot of the cross and said, we are all guilty. And I'm telling you right now that Romans chapter three is a very powerful chapter. And I hope you're getting this because many of us go to church and what they're teaching is completely different. But I believe the Bible is correct. Most of us operate in performance. We think that our salvation is contingent upon performance, but it's wrong. When you get to Romans chapter three, verse nine, look at what he says. He says, what then? Are we Jews any better? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Did you see that? 
He says in verse 9, nobody's better. We're all guilty before God. And it's harder for a religious person because they've been taught that God moved because they're good. Now, a murderer, it's easy for them to trust God because they know they have no ground to stand on. They know they've done stuff wrong and dumb things that they should not have done. But a religious person, they think for sure, oh, I know I got something to stand on. I've done this and done that. And according to the scripture, when you begin to trust in your goodness, you hinder God from moving in your life. See, there's no hell number one and no hell number two. Nobody's better than nobody. We are all sinners. Verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous. Romans 3 and 10. No, not one. There's so much more I can share with you, but this is just part two, and I've written my time limit. But I'm telling you that there's a series that I have called The Gospel. And if you really want to get this in its entirety, this message, you know, you need to call and call the ministry. Go to the website, order it. It's there. This is a message that will change your life and set you free from religion. I am or was bound by a religious spirit and didn't know it because I did what I was taught and thought that I was better than people because I kept myself and didn't smoke and didn't drink and didn't live a loose life. Then God had to show me that I'm hindering things from happening in my life because I'm trusting in my goodness. I am what I am by the grace of God. So I want to let you know you're righteous through him. I love you. I'm praying for you. This is a powerful teaching. Go to the website and get it. It'll change your life. Now, don't sit there. You know, here at Brian Carn Ministries and KCC, we don't charge. You know, you give a donation. Give whatever you have. I'm never going to make the gospel put a charge on it. So it's for free. You can call in and give a donation of some sort and just tell them, I don't have this, but I have this. And we'll make sure you get it because we don't want you to not receive this freedom that comes with the gospel. All right, until next time, you'll be hearing part three very soon. I'm telling you, this word changed my life. Thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. To receive this message in its entirety, call 1-855-984-2276 or 1-833-522-5433. More grace, we're excited about your future.